That's the core of the First Amendment. And to prevent government abuse from the free flow of information, information about what those who hold power over you are doing improperly and incorrectly, that has to be the front and center of this nation's moral commitment. Welcome to Pod Bless America. I'm Jim. And I'm Dan. And that's enough, Jim, because I'd like to speak to my lawyer. <laughs> well, it so happens, my friend. Not only are you joking, but there may come a point where we're going to need this guy that we got on here today. Oh, yeah. And we've got your attorney. Well, if you had the money to retain him, we've got your attorney. I'm not sure. I'm not sure he's going to take, you know. Uh, Whatever we got to give. Pop pocket lint and bourbon, right? Uh, we are fortunate today. We have got Ben Barr, and I'm going to get out in front of this right now. We've got Ben Barr here, no relation to William Barr. So get that out of your heads right now. Absolutely no relation. He is a partner with the Barr Incline uh, PLLC, which are law offices out of Chicago and D.C. He's a First Amendment attorney. Uh, They cover Mm -hmm. election law. And one of the big ones that's a little exciting to me. One of my favorites. And he's not going to be able to talk a lot about it because there's a lot of pending litigation. But they also deal with undercover journalism like... Project Veritas. My man, James O'Keefe. James O'Keefe, my man. So, Ben, are you there? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Welcome to the show, man. Welcome to the show. Thanks for coming in. Let me tell you this right off the bat, okay? Here comes the first joke. (laughs) (laughs) When you get that uh, retention check from us, I just want you to hold off cashing it until... Till I tell you. <laughs> exactly. It might be a week. It might be two. I, we don't know. You know, ho- hopefully we're not going to need it yet. But after talking to him, I mean, we're, we're kind of, we're, we're going to be on the radar now. We're going to be, we're a target. We are a target. We got two troublemakers is what I'm hearing. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, yeah. Jim just blames everything on me. He's like, we, what do you, what do you want me to do? We got one troublemaker. I try to avoid this at all. It's just, he's, he's, he's a loose cannon. There's nothing you can do. For First Amendment purposes, that's great. I, I like this. <laughs> my yeah. man. My man. My man. Uh, again, this is another introduction made to us by the great guys over at Freedom Square. Heck yeah. Um, I think, Ben, you just got on board with them? Yeah, that's right. I, I met some some folks, including uh, Tom Sedeca and uh, just wonderful people over there. So getting to know them and uh, enjoy learning what they're all about. Did, yeah. they, did they take you out on the town? Uh, we had some dinners. Does okay. that count? Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. That's what they do. We yeah. wanted to make sure they were treating you right because we'd call Tom right now and put him yeah. live on here. <laughs> if he wasn't treating <laughs> you right. If he wasn't treating you right, we'd call him out. We'd call him out. Uh, uh, but yeah, Tom, Tom's a good guy. After you, uh, after you met him, Tom called us and said, hey, man, I got the guy for you. You know, if you guys, because uh, we had told him we were yeah. looking for a constitutional attorney. I think we want to start getting back into the Constitution a little bit, right? First Amendment, um, Second Amendment for sure. Um, do you know any Third Amendment? Good yeah, yeah, right. Do you know any Third Amendment attorneys by any? Do you know anybody that that really, really the deals quartering, with quartering troops? Working on quartering? Yeah, right. no, nobody. No, I, right. I think there's a I think there's a parody group set up on we'll, on the internet about. We'll take that, it. But, uh, <laughs> we'll take it. Yeah. We'll take it. Yeah. A Third yeah. Amendment, man. I, it's it's very little yeah. used, but you know, there's going to come a point. I think, my friend, where you're going to wish we had it, or you're going to be glad we have it. Heck yeah! But so, no, I mean, is isn't isn't this the right time in history to? be reinvigorating the First Amendment and, and re-examining it with, with everything we see in culture today that, that attacks people with different oh, for perspectives, sure. that attacks people who have controversial views. And I when you say controversial, I think you misspoke. I mean, I know they sound the same, <laughs> but do you mean conservative? Because that's that seems to be that seems to that be too. the only people that are being attacked, right? I don't see I don't see Hillary Clinton being banned on Twitter or on Facebook. I don't see Right. Um, you know, I don't see any of the Democratic side being banned. Maybe I'm wrong, 
like historically, isn't it, it's such a strange position for conservatives and liberals to be in in America? Because if you go back to the 60s and the 70s, it was the ACLU and it was these sorts of groups who were pushing really good case law, you know, representing the Nazis in Skokie and their right to be able to march. Real, real Nazis with real swastikas on their arm. And it seems like they hit a certain point where they were comfortable with enough of that work and then it turned. And now, you know, it's a it's a small band of conservative attorneys who are really holding up the free speech uh, yeah, I, banner. In and, and what happened? What happened I with think, the ACLU? But I think it depends on when what administrations they get most of their funding in. That's the way I see it. I'm, I'm sure that impacts it. Yeah. It's a splintered organization, right? There are still some very, very good ACLU attorneys. The ACLU has been uh, so good to be able to file motions and briefs <clears throat> on behalf of my client, Project Veritas, with respect to the FBI raid, which is a direct assault on journalistic freedom in America, so much so that you know the ACLU recognized that. And they are active in the case, not traditional sort of allies, not traditional sort of friends. So there is still there's some hope still for, yeah. for the ACLU. Um, but but no, but by and large, it's it's not the ACLU that's bringing the more novel, interesting and worthwhile free speech cases today. Well, it's you, conservative nonprofits and conservative lawyers. You brought up Project Veritas, and I know that we can only talk kind of in general terms with this because you have a lot of pending stuff. I know that you don't want to represent yourself as being a spokesman for them because that is not your role. Can we talk a little bit about uh, what the government is doing to James O'Keefe or what they're attempting to do to him at least? Sure. I'll, I'll give you my general thoughts on it. The, the matter that I referenced was um, an investigation that Veritas had uh, looked into regarding uh, Ashley Biden, the daughter of uh, sitting president Joe mm-hmm. Biden, and a, a diary that uh, she had left behind uh, at a Airbnb in Florida. And that was made available to Veritas and Veritas acquired that through third-party sources. Legal now, means. Well, yeah, legal means there, there's a Supreme Court case. It's called Bartnicki v. Vopper. And Bartnicki v. Vopper says this. Journalists all the time come in to possession of property and information that's delivered by third-party sources. And so long as the journalists weren't out doing any sort of stealing, thievery, illegal acts, even if the people who took it did something illegal, there is no liability for journalists, because we want to protect the right of journalists to be able to share this information. In our case, we believe that it was properly, it was misplaced property, it was in an Airbnb and the like, but even if it were stolen, um, Veritas is you know clear on that front. And so Veritas obtained it, it decided not to run the story because it couldn't, didn't have enough time and couldn't authenticate you know the writings and it tried to exercise its own journalistic uh, integrity about what was in there. And then uh, Veritas reached out to the Biden family lawyer and tried to negotiate a return of the diary and things got really weird and conditions were placed and such. And eventually Veritas just decides, you know what, we need to send this back to the local police department where it was found and they can handle, you know, misplaced property. And that's what, what occurred. 
But the last email from Biden's attorney was about, boy, we should refer this to the Southern District of New York. Southern District of New York, of course, is the U.S. Attorney's Office there. And about six months later, we had journalists waking up to raids, uh, pre-dawn raids, folks coming in, pulling out cell phones, pulling out uh, journalists' notepads, pulling out computers, things that you would think to be an anathema to the First Amendment. And James O'Keefe himself, you know, being raided, being hauled out into his hallway in, in underwear, being embarrassed, humiliated in that way. All of this done, by the way, in direct violation of existing Department of Justice guidelines on how the Department of Justice is to treat journalists, how they are to seek information if they're investigating a crime. P.S. It's not to go out and drag people into hallways and to use to use, uh, you know, FBI tactical times. Right, right. It's to it's to reach out to them. It's to use the subpoena process. It's to politely ask for information, these sorts of things. And uh, so the DOJ was acting in in disregard of its own regulations that are designed to protect. Do I understand this right? So he had already sent it back, told the Biden attorneys, I'm going to send this back. This is, you know what? Things got weird here. I don't want this hassle. I'm not sure what's happening. I'm going to send this back to, you know, whatever town, Florida's police department where this was found. If you want it, contact them. So he sends it back. That's it. Mm-hmm. And the raid happens after he sent it back. And from the outside right. looking in, I felt like that raid had everything to do with the cases of the two people in Florida that were charged for taking this property and moving it out of state. Those right. people started right. to cooperate. So, so then so then they wanted to cast their web or th- throw that net out and, and get everything on Veritas because they know the work they do. But they knew they knew the Veritas didn't have the diary at that point. So, what is their justification for going in there? Are they saying, "Well, you got well, pictures"? Well, well, no, you have well, let's talk about when you get a warrant. Okay. Well, if you're walking in the house looking for something and you have a warrant to be in the house, well, that's true. And we talked about this, and and maybe I'm off here, but let me know what you think. As a career police officer, right? I can tell you that a warrant. Obviously, if I have a warrant for a stolen car, that does not give me the right to go into somebody's house and start going through their desk drawers, right? Because we can't keep a stolen car in a desk drawer. But if I have a warrant for a stolen check in somebody's house, I can pretty much go through anything in that house and look for it. Now, if I find things that are not related to that stolen check, but deemed illegal, that's all fine and well. But with the Trump raid Mar-a-Lago, that's what we said, right? We said, look, this is not about stuff that he took from necessarily stuff that he took from the White House as much as it is now giving them free reign to go in there and help the J6 committee. It's a broad sweep. It's just a broad sweep. Oh, well, you know what? Yeah, you're right. We didn't find the nuclear codes, but you know what we did find? (laughs) Right here. We found a silver bullet for the January 6th committee. Yeah. So is that what they were hoping for with with O'Keefe? It's hard to know what they're hoping for, but certainly, you know, what we raised and why we have a special master. So essentially, we don't have the DOJ going through the equipment. We have a retired judge who's somewhat removed from the process, being able to do so. And, and we said, look, we've got um, whistleblowers already inside the Biden administration. And the, you expect us to trust the Biden Department of Justice with these with right. this information that they're not going to figure out who these whistleblowers are and, and you know, go after. Them. We have donors. We have financial supporters who are critical of the Biden administration. You know, they're not curious about knowing what that is. We have information about future stories that are different angles about 
problems and issues within the Biden administration. You know, you, you're telling us they're not interested in that as well. On, on its face, I think what the Department of Justice is saying is, look, we think that Veritas was really doing something more than just running a story. We think they were, you know, not journalists. They were somehow, we you know, they were thieves in, involved in this. And um, and it's unfortunate because, you know, you work when you're in the sort of the, the criminal procedure element, um, there's an affidavit that's obtained that's in a black box. We can't see that. We don't know who the witness is. We're working sort of in the dark. Um, so I'm a First Amendment expert. We've got a great criminal defense guy, you know, on the team, but I'm I'm working on the side of being able to present. We have all these interests that need to be protected as we go through this. And and there's just this long set of Supreme Court precedent that's sort of backwards and twisted and weird. Essentially, all of it comes down to say, um, look, and these are cases from the 1970s, Brandsburg v. Hayes and Stanford Daily News cases. And they say, look, we know in the future there's going to be First Amendment issues in Fourth Amendment cases, and somehow the judges are going to, you're going to get it right. You're going to have a way to do it. Well, guess what? Since 1970 going forward, scholars, judges haven't figured it out. There's not a clear standard about how you quickly and aggressively protect First Amendment interests when government goes overboard. Fortunately, it, they don't do it that often. This is pretty ahistorical. It's pretty radical to have this occur. It seems to me, so, though, you say that. You, you say that there is no standard in place, but... I mean, anybody looking at this, I'm not a constitutional lawyer, right? I mean, 99.99% of people out there are not constitutional attorneys. They haven't studied the Constitution, but when they look at this, they're like, bro, this is wrong, right? They know it's wrong. I mean, how hard should this be for the courts to say? Well, it's lawyers, it's, it's lawyers. We make everything hard. Right. But it seems uh, so, like there, it seems like so, there was people in place under the last administration to go, hey, hey, don't don't try to look under that rock because that's not what we do here. And then this administration right. goes look under that rock and they're like, right. well, I mean, they, they, they kind of, you can look under that rock if you want. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so there's well, always that little bit of like nudge here, nudge there bullshit. The, the, the problem is this. We have these these lofty guidelines uh, issued by the Department of Justice. I like that. Lofty, lofty guidelines, guidelines. Yeah. Lofty issued guidelines. by the Attorney General. But guess what? They have no effective rule of law. So there's no consequence if you violate the rule. Now, these are really important rules. They say things like um, before you you know, issue a search warrant against a journalistic actor, you have to exhaust all other opportunities where you might be able to get this information or or similar information. And but it's just a guideline. It. It's just a guideline, right? So, no so if you violated it, whoever wrote that guideline is like, eh, we, we tried. It, it, this is, we tried. This is fooling the, this is fooling the American people, right? And, and so at, at the start of um, the Biden administration, they served a subpoena. They didn't do a search warrant, but they served a subpoena against Gannett Publishing, which owns USA Today and a variety of other major American newspapers, uh, because there is an online forum and there were death threats made against uh, an F- FBI officer. And um, Gannon went into court and said, hey, hold up, hold up. You have these 
voluntary guidelines, and we think they're more than voluntary. We think that is the the real guts of the First Amendment. You don't go in uh, and you don't force journalists to provide this information. Why didn't you follow them? And guess what? The Biden administration withdrew. They stopped the subpoena. They backed they backed off. But that's a very mainstream, you know, USA Today, very mm-hmm. easy, you know, not not hard hitting sort of newspaper. But when you get real undercover journalists with grit, people who are really getting down to the depths of dirty stories and, and what was at heart here was a pretty dirty story. Guess what? That same grace is not provided to those individuals. And it's wrong. And I, and I tell you what, when you have a situation that what happened to James and people want to applaud it, like, oh, he does edited videos and this and that. And he, he can play the whole video in full and show you it's not edited and nobody cares because they already said it was just edited. Then you want to go to somebody like uh, James Gordon Meek that just got checked by the FBI and, and no one's even seen or heard of him since since April. Disappeared. And he was doing off right. the grid, man. Right. Like, does anybody right. know where this guy is right now? I know now? where he's at. You do not. Yeah. Oh, here we go. <laughs> well, he is a film writer and he also, you know, does a lot of stuff for, for that. So he's probably over in Ukraine making all the good news come out that everyone needs yeah, to hear. Exactly. <laughs> They're using him as a tool. Exactly. <laughs> I digress. Oh, God. <laughs> so what do you think about Ukraine? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let's not jump on yeah. Ukraine. But that, that that's my whole point yeah. is that these people will applaud yeah. it. I mean, even the ACLU came to James's side and was like, hey, guys, eh, this is a bit much. You know, though, the thing with, man, those Democrats, the left, leftists especially, hate James O'Keefe, right? Have you ever watched a Project Veritas video, and by the time it was done, you weren't sitting there shaking your head like, these motherfuckers, man. You know, these dirty, like, be it a teacher, like he's done the ones on the teachers where they're teaching your kids about uh, all the stuff they shouldn't be teaching your kids. Uh, It's just... No matter what video he, t- if James O'Keefe comes after you, you're done. You're done. Yeah. It's like Jim Cantori showing up in your hometown when a hurricane's coming, right? If Jim Cantori from the Weather Channel shows up, you know your hometown's <laughs> going to get absolutely leveled. Just done. If James O'Keefe is knocking on your door, bro, done. Yeah. Yeah. And, and look, if um, you go back, I, I go back, you know, over 10 years working with James and Veritas and 2016. James is getting much bigger. Veritas is getting bigger, more influential. There's some really hard-hitting videos that come out. We get hit um, with about eight lawsuits around the country. We've won, you know, six of those eight. We just lost one democracy partners at a trial in, in D.C., jury trial. Um, we're going to vigorously appeal that and hit back hard on that. The eighth one, I think we're going we're to win. That's slowly winding down, but... Um, there's never been a successful claim against James O'Keefe about this. They love this tired canard, right? The deceptive editing. There's never been a, a successful claim against him on that. And there are causes of action you can bring. Defamation, sure. false light, mm-hmm. these kind of things that protect your reputational interest in, in the public. End of the day, every single case that's been brought forward with respect to Veritas, no one's found any deceptive editing, any false light, any sort of slanderous material. But it's just like anything else. They just have to say it because whatever, oh, yeah, phrase, whatever phrase you just, you used uh, to describe what, what, what they call that, they never get sick of that. That is their only MO 
That is the only way they can get oh, it yeah. done. If Jim keeps calling me an asshole every day, everybody that listens to this show thinks I'm an asshole. Anybody who knows you already knows that's the truth. It's not a hard sell. <laughs> I mean, I'm just using that as an example. <laughs> you know, I just picture this thing. Yeah. I, I just a picture this uh, picture this thing as like in baseball, you know, and I just really noticed it during the, the last playoff series. But when there would be a play and they're like, are they going to challenge it? And they got their guy up in the booth who, who looks at the replay real quick and tells him, yeah, challenge it or no, don't challenge it. I just picture that's what the left is doing with James O'Keefe. They're like, you know what? We're going to take him for editing these videos. And somebody looks at him and they're like, eh, I've seen the original. <laughs> just let this go. We're, we're not challenging this one. Even with the latest Eric Adams yeah. one from from uh, the mayor of New York when his staffer was, you know, caught on tape saying this guy, this, that, another thing. And then all of a sudden they're like, um, well, James, James O'Keefe edits videos, but we fired him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. what? If they have videos edited, why'd you fire the guy? Right, right. You got us back or what? Well, where, where does uh, Veritas stand now? How are they looking? How are they looking? Well, they got past motion to dismiss. Oh, you want to, you want him to tell you? Okay. Oh yeah. I'd like the attorney to tell me and not the, not the laid off steel or uh, not the laid off boiler operator. I mean, if we have any energy yeah, no, questions, I, we'll come to you. Right. James, if you have any coal fired power plant questions, Dan's your guy. All right. When it comes to law, we're going to let you answer. Yeah. <laughs> No, the, 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 the problem is that the process is the punishment, right? So yeah. these are when, when Veritas is set up to have to defend a defamation suit or any of what I refer to as these trash torts, intentional infliction of emotional distress and the, these sorts of weird uh, machinations. It's a lengthy, timely process. It takes money out of the organization. It's, I think it's designed to. Uh, it takes focus away. It's emotionally disturbing. Uh, so Veritas, I think, is is doing terrific. James is is doing terrific, but it's unfortunate that we're not able to sometimes get rid of these lawsuits uh, earlier. A lot of states have what are called anti-slap laws. So anti-slap laws are designed to, if you're exercising your First Amendment rights and and a lawsuit is based upon that, you can bring something in to expeditiously shut this down. So your attorney's fees are dramatically lowered, the time spent is is much less, but not all states have it. And in federal court, it's usually very difficult or impossible to have a a slap motion uh, before the court. So it's problematic that way, but you know, the track record's really solid. They're winning. Veritas is more effective, reaching a larger audience than ever. Um, so I think they're on the right trajectory. And he's doing it against all odds because a lot of his YouTube is demonetized. Uh, so he can't right. make, he can't make any money there. I am, you know, on his, uh, on his role for getting emails too, because they might shut him down where he may only be able to respond to you with emails. Um, and anyone can, can donate anything that'll help James O'Keefe and Project Veritas out for sure. So you got past motion to dismiss, and that's the defamation lawsuit. So then once you get well, past- Well, I, I was going to ask you, I mean, yeah. when you started talking about it, I was going to say that. So these motions are basically motions for who has the deeper pockets, right? Are no. they just trying to bank uh, bankrupt him by filing motion after motion after motion after motion, knowing that they've got unlimited funds? I know this one, Jim. It happened to me in real life. If you get past the motion to yeah. dismiss, now they get to depose. Okay, and that's right. what they don't so want. They don't want them to depose. There's certainly a strategy among us. I mean, we noticed the commonality in the 2016 lawsuits, and we've brought this to various courts and judges' attention, that there have been certain central actors who have been coordinating the lawsuits. So there's a blow-up somewhere else. The certain person you know, parachutes into the state, 
encourages them to file a lawsuit, all of a sudden that that occurs. Um, and then we see odd things happening in different litigation. You know, there's a case in Pennsylvania, defamation lawsuit that we're defending right now. And um, that involved a, a group of lawyers from a, a, a big law firm all of a sudden jumping into the case uh, seemingly on a pro bono basis. So instead of it just being the little lawyer out of a little Pennsylvania town, mm-hmm. there's a, a whole crew, a whole army uh, com- coming after uh, Veritas and seemingly with unlimited yeah. or nearly white, unlimited white collar features. lawyers, they call them pretty much, right? Right, right. So, so we have you know, that, that sort of situation pops up, but we continue to push forward. And the, the first amendment says something about defamation claims and basically Mm -hmm. hurt feelings and embarrassment are not an end run. They're not a loophole to the first amendment. You're allowed to publish stories that, especially about people in power and government officials that embarrass them, uh, that make them feel bad, that put them in a bad light, unless you have something that's provably false and that was designed to damage their reputation, you're allowed to do that in America, right? And so well, we're and testing those waters, and um, we think they're going to fail. When we talked before, that was one of the things uh, that I said, that's why we wanted you on here, right? Because I have a pretty good grasp on the Constitution, right? I have a pretty good grasp on the Constitution as it was written. The problem is, and all these people you listen to that say they understand the Constitution – don't understand all the rulings that came after 1776 or 17, right? After the Constitution was ratified. Nobody knows all the rulings after that. What, all they're saying is, look, I understand what the First Amendment says. It says I can say whatever I want whenever I want. Well, nah, not so much, right? Which is why we wanted, wanted to bring you on here. Um, because while, yeah, while the First it. Amendment does say, hey, man, you've got the Congress shall make no law bridging the freedom of speech or of the press. But that's not quite, I mean, there's a lot more to it than just that, right? The press doesn't have free reign. Press can't come out with some absolute horseshit story that that defames your character with no cause. Right. And And James O'Keefe is very careful. Well, he's very careful. Like with Ashley Biden, he could have ran that story. He could have ran the story based on that. Just, you know what? But he knows. He knows that he has to has to protect Ver- Project Veritas. He knows that he has to make sure that everything in here is authenticated, that it's legit, that it's not just some disgruntled worker at Airbnb that wrote this thing out and said, oh, this is Ashley Biden's diary. He knows, and he's sticking to that. But One of James's rules, act as if you have 12 jurors looking over your shoulder. He always says that. Nice. Yeah. Act mm-hmm. as if you have 12 jurors looking over your shoulder. James is ethical. He's a good steward of Project Veritas. And, you know, there's a legal team within Project Veritas. He has assembled a core set of experts in different areas of the law. I vet the more controversial and difficult uh, sort of privacy issues and where, where are boundaries at and sort of unsettled areas of law. But there's a lot of good people within Veritas and, and other folks that he draws on. And yeah, First Amendment case law is, um, <laughs> it's, uh, well, it's an S show for lack of, of better words here. And and it, it's, it's um, so defamation, for example, right? You've got this big case called New York Times versus Sullivan. So New York Times in the 60s wanted to go out and report about police abuses or alleged abuses in the South uh, against people of color, against black folks who were protesting. 
And when they would make one tiny little error in this state or that, they would find these really weird defamation laws that subjected them um, to pretty heightened penalties. So it got all the way up to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court looked at it and said, look, states can't can't create these wide, you know, wide ranging floating tests that allow unpopular speakers essentially to be shut down. Um, that would kill the First Amendment. It would kill journalism. So we're going to create some standards here. And so what they said is, you know, when you're dealing with a public figure or someone in holding public office uh, to sustain defamation claim, it has to be something that's provably false. And it has to be done with uh, reckless disregard for the truth. That means you knew that it was false or that it was highly reckless, like anybody on earth should, should have known that it wasn't true. Steel dossier. Steel dossier. Yeah. Does that does that count for anything? Every news station that ran it ran it as truth. That you right. can look at this thing when it first came out and said, "Look, something doesn't smell right here." But they ran this as truth and beat it over your head. Beat it over your head for how many months? Right. The dirty dossier. <laughs> right. I mean, right. does that? How does well, that got, not factor in? I gotta into say, that? I'm. I gotta say, I'm a. I'm a free speech guy. So you you want to run dumb misleading stories. You can run dumb, misleading stories. Yeah, because what happened was now CNN, the person who was running it the most, has fired all their anchors and are trying to bring, you know, moderates back in. But there's no recourse for that. Yeah, the recourse is they're going to fail. Well, in a free market society. Yeah. 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 The the hope is that, yeah, that there's a market feedback. and, And it's positive to see what you see at CNN. You see that they're readjusting their ways. They want to go back to like they were in the 1990s. Readjusting. Balance. We'll see if they. They just want to get back in the airports (laughs) so they can have them free, them free views. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But, you know, there's been a lot of change in press and media over the past 20 to 30 years. And and people lament the death of certain types of newspapers and this and that. Well, it's not really a death. It's there's just been like a lot of fragmentation that's occurring. So there's there's online sort of sources. You you can go to uh, Project Veritas, uh, for example, and, and they've grown dramatically over the years. They're taking up slack where other folks are not doing it. And I'll just say this on on the left, there's activist groups over there that are doing sort of undercovery sort sort of work. The, the Animal Legal Defense Fund goes out and and in you know investigates what's going on and uh, agricultural operations and and this sort of stuff. Kudos, go do it. I, I'm I, I eat beef. Uh, I grew up in Wisconsin. I'm a yeah. steak guy. Yeah. But you have every right to go out and do that. So it's happening. It's just it's a it's a change to the flow and. It's both technology and what people want, and um, yep, they do it in the same the same thing with the power industry with the Sierra Club, same thing. Right, yeah, yeah, and they're testing boundaries just like uh, it, you know good undercover journalists do. There's a lot there's a lot of gray space where uh, privacy rights or property rights end and free speech rights begin. Right, and what I was telling Jim was once you get past the motion to dismiss it normally. The person who lost that motion to dismiss normally opens up the checkbook and goes, how much to make this go away? I think they can offer James O'Keefe a billion, trillion, zillion dollars, and he'd be like, nope. Nope, I'm going to get you on camera with the lawyers, and we're going to talk about this. And I think that's just, you know, his move because he has to go that far and establish that and get all that out in the open so everyone will understand that he means business. He's joking around. He's not playing. 
Is that, does that sound, is that a fair assumption on my part? I think those are good insights. I, I can't, I'm not allowed to talk about that. Mm. That's sort of internal. That's my bad. Calculus. That's my bad. I, 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 no, no. You know what? I knew I it. As soon, as soon as those you were done talking, and it, it was like, <laughs> just dead uh, airspace. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, shut up, yeah. Dan. Yeah, exactly. Shut He's like, shut click, up. click. <laughs> Hello. You know, Hello. I'll, I'll say Hello. this. I mean, if, if, from this. my, from my it, point of view, that doesn't, yep. Go ahead. It doesn't make sense when you have, Frivolous after frivolous, spurious after spurious lawsuit lining up. It doesn't make sense to feed alligators. Yeah, yeah for sure. More well, alligators come to get you. But I always, I always thought James O'Keefe and Tom Fitton need to join forces because they're both doing the Lord's work when it comes to the avenues that they travel down. And I know they know each other and I know they both like to do curls and bench press. <laughs> so they probably have a gym membership together, but they, <laughs> but they need to get together and really, and really join those forces because most of the people, I mean, we've seen it in our analytics. Most people that, that do project Veritas do, do judicial watch. They, they everyone, right, they're right. running the same people. Right. So why not get them together? Why not sell them as a package deal? So <laughs> next time you see yeah. James, next time you see James, tell <laughs> tell him to come on Pod Bless America. We got some stuff to talk about. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, you were talking about technology. Let's shift gears here a little bit. We put it up on our Facebook page, and we got some messages uh, in from people. And it seems like almost everybody right now is concerned with big tech and the First Amendment. Right, all along, people have said, "Look, big tech, Facebook is not the government." Right. If you go, you, you do your terms of service with them. And if Facebook decides they want to uh, tell you, you can't say something, they got the right to do that. But my thing is that Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, I mean, you could even go so far as TikTok now. Those that is becoming the public square. That is where people go to redress their government. That mm-hmm. is where people go to complain where is this going to fall, do you think? And I know there's cases right now, um, but, you know, you have things, um, Epic Times was reporting, and this is from um, the Federal Election Commission records, that 99% of Twitter employees who donate give to the Democrats. 99% of Twitter employees who donate. Um, and Facebook is, is right along those lines. So at what point do we step in and we say, hey, look, you are the public square. You don't get to censor all the conservative views. You don't get to censor those who don't agree with Anthony Fauci. Everybody gets their say. Now, I am currently in a situation where Uh I am banned until after the election. I can't go live. And they said that um, through their algorithm that my posts are going going to the bottom of that, that they are not going to be seen as much. Um, So at what point do you say, hey, this is wrong. Well, tell them why. Uh, well, yeah, it's because I shared a Hunter Biden meme in 2021. All right. So just a couple of days ago, a couple of weeks ago, they came out and they said, eh, we were just going through some stuff. And we found this Hunter Biden meme that you posted in 2021. We're suspending your account for 60 days. For 59. Sh- for sharing? 59 days. Private? In- how'd they, how'd they, how'd they, uh, they said it was a private intimate moment with Hunter Biden. And what it was, was a picture of Al-Qaeda sitting at, or maybe the Taliban mm-hmm. sitting at uh, a table. Uh-huh. Joe Biden was on their left eating some ice cream mm-hmm. and Hunter Biden was standing to their right in his underwear with the red um, scarf, with the red scarf. 
right? And that was something that was taken off the laptop. But they claim now that that was a private, intimate moment that I shared. You believe that shit? So now I'm suspended for 60 days. I can't go live and my posts don't get Until seen Until weirdly anybody. after the election. After the election. Now, <laughs> just one more little thing on that. So I noticed that I had friends who were commenting that they were putting up posts that they were also being banned for 45 days, 59 days, whatever the case may be. And I reached out to five of them and they were Every single one of them had posted a Hunter Biden meme. So Facebook just went through, found out, found the conservatives who were posting Hunter Biden memes and silenced everybody. So at what point does big tech, who is clearly doing the work of the government now? Yeah. Yeah. At what point do they get held, held accountable for this? Oh, I know. When the shoe's on the other foot and they start doing it for, let's yeah. say, Donald Trump Jr. And they yeah. got a bad picture of him and they're like, listen, you can't share it. Then the people on the other side will be like, we need to do something about this big tech <laughs> this issue. Bullshit. But, but yeah, Ben, what were you thinking? <laughs> yeah, I, I think this is one of the most complicated First Amendment issues, um, you know, in, in modern times. So I, I'll lead with what, a saying that Justice Scalia liked to remind people of the American public, which is dare to think this. It's entirely possible for the law to be really, really stupid and yet constitutional. And so we, we bump into a lot of that with with big tech. So let's let's go back prior to the White House press secretary making announcements that they've been in communication with big tech. There's been dozens of lawsuits of people who have been deplatformed from turf feminists in Canada to James O'Keefe himself, uh, and all of these have, have failed uh, for the simple reason that the First Amendment regulates government conduct. It does not regulate private conduct. And when we think about private actors, whether they be newspapers or online platforms, the decision about what content to put in and what to keep out is its form is itself a form of speech, and that's protected by the First Amendment. So in 2019, Supreme Court decided Manhattan Community Access Corporation versus Halleck. That was a nonprofit that was operating community access on cable television in, in New York. And uh, there were some filmmakers. They made a film that was critical of the of the nonprofit. And guess what? They were banned from ever being able to post, not post, <laughs> ever be able to put anything uh, on that community station again. And the Supreme Court just went through its traditional test. They said, look, this is a private entity. And in really, really rare instances, a private entity can qualify as a public entity. When? when it exercises powers that are both traditionally and exclusively reserved to the state. And they're, they're very few. So the historical you know, antecedents are operating a company town. There's a coal mine, the coal company owns the town. To get to the coal mine, you have to walk through it. So there, that company town would be responsible for protecting constitutional rights. Or if governments outsourced a constitutional power duty that it has. So in all, all of these, and courts have examined, well, but, you know, lots of times private actors have squares where people can, can speak. And that's not always a traditional or exclusive government function. And we also really want to protect the right of, like, newspapers and other groups to be able to do this. And, and we, we've seen this in eras past, like in the 70s. There was a case called Miami Herald versus Tornilio, where Florida said, look, 
um, we're upset with newspapers being so skewed. So if you're a political candidate and you run an ad, you have to provide space for the opposing view there. And the Supreme Court struck that down. And they said, look, no, what what a, what a newspaper decides to put in or keep out or like, that's up to them. And it might be unfair. It might be stupid. It might be bad. It might be immoral. All these things, it's not unconstitutional. But then we hit kind of a, a tipping point when we get to this revelation I mean, boy, talk, talk about an incompetent White House, too. You, when you have the, the White House press secretary coming out and announcing that they have been in communication with Twitter and Facebook about curtailing, you know, quote, misinformation, that is information the government doesn't like, uh, curtailing misinformation about COVID and other issues on these social media platforms. So once you, once you involve a government actor, then these dozens of lawsuits that have failed, and I think properly failed, that changes, right? Because um, if if Twitter is acting as a puppet of a presidential uh, executive administration, if Facebook is doing the bidding, the bidding of the Biden administration, you have real palpable First Amendment claims. Well, and that's and so that- I think. That's what I've said. It's like the police, right? If I want to get into somebody's house, if I want to get into Dan's house to search his house, but I can't uh, obtain a search warrant for that, then I'm done. I can't go to Dan's neighbor and say, hey, look, you're going over there for a cookout. I need you to do me a favor. Excuse yourself. Go to the bathroom. Go in Dan's bedroom. I need you to go through his drawers. I can't do that because now he's acting as an agent of the police. And this is the same thing. When you've got members of his administration contacting and, and and asking them to censor certain people, don't they become at that point an agent of the government? When it's when it is collaborative and you can show that it's more than just more than a, a uh, simple conversation and there's a, a directive, there is some sense of you you ought to go do this, a command, an exhortation, then we see that we have like a joint state private actor liability situation. And so what I'm hoping is, and I know there's a couple of these these suits going forward right now, is that as we go through discovery, we're going to be able to pull up the information, the communications that occurred. Well, on September and 6th, we, both Fauci and uh, Karine Jean-Pierre um, were ordered, I believe, to the Missouri Attorney General, right? They were ordered to turn over emails between them and, and state-run media. I'm sorry. Right. A big tech, big yeah, tech, yeah. not state run oh, media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, no, right. It's same, Freudian same thing. Slip. No, yeah, no, Freudian well, slip. Same thing. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> no, there, I think there's an Arkansas suit, a Missouri suit. I think there, there might be a third, third one out there, but all that's going to be very relevant. And so if the, if the legal team there can put together uh, enough of a showing and, and it's varied, right? So we've had these instances in the past, not, not with big tech, uh, but with government sort of nudging or, trying to work with private entities. So, for example, Backpage had a, a series of litigation uh, where government was was working with them and there was a joint actor status there. But if it seems like it's an implied threat or it's a very strong sort of directive to go take an action, then it's a it's it's a strong suit. And and uh, all of a sudden you have very rich, very powerful platforms that are going to be subject to 
some incredible damages. So January, uh, I'm sorry, September 6th, they were ordered to do this for Missouri. I don't know about all the rest of them. Where are we with that? Do you know, have they turned it over or I, I are we still, I, I, have, I haven't, haven't been following. I, I, my I guess is that nothing has been turned over yet. My guess is there is, yeah, they're, they're stalling They're whatever. Yeah. They'll be citing oh, yeah, executive when, when privilege. When you litigate against the federal government, it, it's a slow walk, especially if it's embarrassing or difficult on their end. And they have nearly unlimited resources versus, uh, you know, plaintiffs who have been harmed and injured and, uh, you know, only have a finite budget to be able to work with. And, and they get that. So that, that's so, common. Because so dirty. The whole thing is so dirty. It's just. Well, he brought up back page. Oh, here we go. Yeah, it is a Leviathan. You are a hundred percent right on that. You brought up backpage.com and they're on my list. I bet they are for contempt of Congress. Oh, I thought you meant they're on your, okay. No, I have a whole list of contempt from Congress from 75 on, right? The last person to get busted for contempt of Congress is Steve Bannon. <laughs> four months. He got right? four months in federal penitentiary. Well, hold on, hold on. Well, Mark Meadows is next in this list, but they, and, and what happened to him after that section isn't filled out yet. So I'll be interested to see what that is. But, um, Chad Wolf, uh, United States secretary of Homeland security in 2020, um, acting Homeland Security, uh, he defied subpoenas and skips House hearing as he faces a whistleblower allegation. Uh, no resolution. You got Bill Barr and uh, no relation to you. And Wil- Wilbur Ross, they're there for refusal to comply with subpoenas for uh, committee and oversight. No resolution there. You got Backpage, like I said. And that's weird because they're found in contempt for failing to provide documents in an investigation into human trafficking. So how do you just like let that one die? That's kind of crazy. You got Brian Pagliano, IT director for Hillary Clinton, not found guilty of anything. He ended up writing in the Fifth Amendment plea in in lieu of appearing. No contempt resolution was considered by the chamber. But Jason Chaffetz... Uh, wrote a letter to the attorney general, wrote a strongly worded email, Strong. <laughs> angry cat typing <laughs> at the request that they would uh, uh, get him for a misdemeanor. Uh, and what's this, what's this word? This is a legal jargon. Contomicus. Is that a word? C- Can you spell that? Yeah. <laughs> C- Country of origin, yeah. please. C-O-N-T-U-M-A-C-I-O-U-S. I don't know that off the top of Cunt- my head. It well, I guess like I can look it up. Very fancy word. On. What, what, that, right. that was, um, I've never even heard of that word in my stubborn life. Stubborn or someone looked up. Yeah, right. It's a scary word. <laughs> it's, it's a okay. scary legal like word. Like I said, C O N T U M U M A C I O U S. It's a Latin word. Stubborn, I, obstinate. Uh, it is stubbornly or willfully disobedient to authority. His refusal right. to make child support payments were <laughs> yeah. contemptuous. It's fun to look up 18th, le- 18th century legal terms and then throw them into a letter and make people see this. Right, right. <laughs> but, 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 the, but the Hillary Clinton IT director gets subpoenaed. He, he writes in, hey, I'm pleading the fifth and sends that in. And then Jason Chaffetz has to write to the DOJ, who at the time in September of 2016 was a Democratic attorney general, I would say. Because Trump didn't get until right. seventeen, right? Right. So, so, so let's go a little bit before that, right? Lois Lerner, she got pulled for IRS. contempt. Remember her? Yep, IRS. And then what does it say? She's uh, it's been directed to the House Special Counsel, uh, and they found her in contempt. But did anyone ever charge her? Nope. Right. So it's it's wholly at the whim of Congress, right, on how to act 
in these cases. And unfortunately, it's the it's the weaponization of, of the political process. Right. right. It's a right. Lack, it's a fundamental lack of due process. So to consider fair treatment between similarly situated actors, Steve Bannon, Lois Lerner, mm-hmm. et cetera. Um, right. Yeah, and well, and the, the, well the icing on the cake for me for this Loretta one. Lynch. The, the icing on the cake for me for this one is Eric Holder. Because since it is a Wikipedia uh, thing, it just says House Committee on Oversight Government Reform. It doesn't say they wanted to ask him money or questions about, you know, the what was the, the gun running fast and furious. It doesn't say anything about it. It just says real quick, House Committee on Oversight and Government Reform, June 28th, 2012, House of Representatives. So they get to pick and choose who they're going to put down there when they, for contempt of Congress. So we got Steve Bannon. And Steve Bannon right. um, gets four months. Four and months federal penitentiary. Which, got, if you have to go to prison, I'm telling you right now, the Fed pen is the way to go. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, if you have to go, <laughs> it's a whole lot better than state pen. I can tell you that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're, you're, I want to. I'd want to be in protective custody, though. I don't even know if you'd need it. If no? Federal, I don't want to join a gang. To, they're, they're, I don't know if there's gangs in federal <laughs> penitentiary. They're all a bunch of white collar. Like, I want to play tennis. Yeah. You're, you're going to play pickleball. Right. You're going to be playing bocce. So it says found guilty by a federal jury of unlawfully defying a subpoena um, issued by the January 6th committee currently stayed pending appeals process. So what kind of appeal could he be running with uh, to, to possibly get out of this? Do you think? Yeah, I think there's, I think there's two bases first and what he raised at the trial level is the fact that he was a member of the executive branch and that he had certain privileges that were conferred to him by virtue of him serving under President Trump, and that he was not allowed to be able to disclose it. No matter how important Congress thought its interests were, he was absolutely forbidden. And just case law isn't well settled on exactly what the range and extent of, of executive privilege is. So the D.C. District Court didn't buy it. It'll go up to the D.C. Circuit Court, and they'll be able to examine that scope and hopefully – you know, his appellate lawyer hits hard on some historical trends because we can go back at certain contentious periods in American history and we can examine these sorts of games going on before. So it happened during the Red Scare in Congress where we we're going after uh, communists. Mm-hmm. It happened during the, the New Deal uh, with uh, FDR and prominent businessmen who were coming together and forming committees uh, and and that the especially in the FDR circumstance around the New Deal, where we were radically reshaping American economy, we were growing the federal government leaps and bounds in unconstitutional ways. Um, you saw a whole host of businessmen who were refusing to show up or refusing to answer particular questions. And fortunately, in that day and age, you had some really good um, precedent. Watkins is is um, one of one of the cases. But where um, where the Supreme Court actually stood up and said, look, Congress, you can do really limited fact gathering, but you have to have very pointed, directed questions. They can't be wide open. You can't be trying to solve all the injustices of the world because there are actually First Amendment interests here at at play. And you don't have the right to be thought police and to delve so so deeply. I, I represented two folks before the January 6th committee, Brandon Strzok, who led the walkaway movement. And um, Jim Watkins, uh, who runs the online platform 8chan, especially with 8chan, um, 
you know, Congress was was really trying to do a deep dive and really look for, you know, give us names of people who are spreading misinformation and disinformation on your platforms and who who do you think might be Russian actors and any and all connections between these individuals and Trump's Trump campaign, Trump allies, et cetera. And now I, I knew the precedent currently wasn't really good, so we weren't going to not show up and we weren't going to flatly um, stop, but we exerted our First Amendment rights and, and privileges, and we wouldn't answer these sort of open-ended questions. And they're not in jail, uh, fortunately. Well, yes. I, I, I'm, I'm thankful that Bannon took an aggressive, forceful stance uh, on it, but, um, you know, he's got a very important appeal ahead of him. Do you think and, it'll uh, make it to the Supreme Court? I don't know. The D.C. Circuit's pretty good right now. There's a, a few Trump appointees, some some older uh, uh, Bush appointees, and still some ACLU liberals that care about due process and 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 other issues. So it's a fair shake, I, I think, before. Um, but um, I, I would guess that there's probably enough push to want to see this go forward to the Supreme Court uh, from from either side. So um, likely. Yeah. But but like I said, there's good. There's really, you know, there were there was a Supreme Court in the 1930s um, that wasn't afraid to push back on Congress. There was similarly a Supreme Court in the 1950s that was also willing to push back uh, on Congress. We just we haven't had a lot of testing since that time. So the times here before us, I think we've got a good Supreme Court. So you build on that precedent. You build on Watkins from the 30s and I think Rumley from the 50s. And uh, I think you eke out a good case and you put Congress back in its proper role, which is limited. Oh. <laughs> so, I wish it was that easy, my friend. But with, with the market, right, they're, they're, they're the hired help, right? Congress is the hired help. hundred percent. And, and, and the people, we oversee Congress. <laughs> and, you know, that's I, I mean, I don't think Nancy Pelosi believes you. I, <laughs> we got Nancy Pelosi on last week. She's coming on before you, and she was talking shit about you. She was like, "Look, yeah, I understand you have Ben Barr on here. He's Let me tell you a little something about this bullshit. guy, right? He's he's full of misinformation and disinformation, and he's probably a Russian. Yeah. He's probably a Russian asset. And when you get done talking to him, we're going to need to talk to you in front of Congress. So that brings us to our next point. Can you represent us when we go in front of Congress? I think I think they're going they they're they're sitting back on this Mark Meadows, um, you know, for defying the subpoena. Uh, because they want to see if they continue to go forward and, and get him to, you know, plead out or whatever. Uh, if Steve Bannon wins his appeal, then there's no reason to even push it on Mark Meadows. But Mark Meadows was kind of a part of their little D.C. clique since he was North Carolina's 11th conditional district uh, from 2013 to 2020. So he he was playing in the in the sandbox with these guys, and he may be able to just kind of like, you know, if they're just like, hey, if you just go away, or if Trump decides to run again, just don't be, you don't want to be part of this again, right? Because, well, we got six ways, what, what do you say? Six ways to Sunday to, to, to get you from, from the intelligence community. Oh, I hate it. Well, real quick, we, we got off a little bit. Because <laughs> we do that. We do that. Where do you think this thing ends up with big tech? I mean, just, just Ben Barr talking right now, right? Just best well, guess. I, I think the best test cases right now are what happened in Texas and in Florida. So both Texas and Florida passed laws that prohibited big tech from being able to censor certain posts or um, to deplatform certain individuals and such. And what you have is the Fifth Circuit that oversees Texas and a number of Southern states said, this is constitutional because we don't think 
that when a, an online platform removes a post or deplatforms a person, that that's speech. We think that's just plain censorship. And we go to the 11th Circuit that oversees the Southeast, that's Florida. They said, no, this is plainly unconstitutional. Uh, this is uh, a situation very similar to like what we said before uh, about the Florida case with respect to what, what newspapers get to decide to stay in or, or stay out. That's editorial function, and, and that's at the heart of the First Amendment. Or there's a, a great case, Hurley versus the Irish-American gay bisexual lesbian group in Boston, where that group wanted to build a march with uh, these other folks and, and the other folks, we, we don't want to carry your message. Go do your own march. And part part of that is being able to pick your own message. What do you want to express? What don't you want to? So you have, you have a problem. You have the Fifth Circuit and the Eleventh Circuit directly contradicting one another. The Supreme Court doesn't like that. So the chances of it accepting one of those cases or joining both for review, I think, is, is very high. And... Um, we go forward now so far you know you see that i think the most skepticism on big tech issues from justice thomas we've seen some hints from justice alito about that but it, it would it would you know it's a really it's a really steep uphill climb in those cases to to get the sort of the private actor situation that the other cases um that we've mentioned are still percolating in the lower courts so that's going to be several years now, three or four years, till we see Supreme Court action there. Everything else that's out there doesn't involve sort of government interactivity with it. Um, so, so I, I, I wouldn't trust, you know, as a matter of first principles, instinct, you know, the government that's brought you the post office and the friendly folks at the IRS, I wouldn't be trusting them to <laughs> oversee big tech and figure out who's the right speaker, who can be you know, what can be monetized, what can be, uh, you know, increased, decreased, et cetera. I think that's a really bad idea. I think it's fraught with First Amendment problems. And I think the best cases, like we've talked about, are those where government's nudging and puppeteering big tech. And boy, what a foolish action for sophisticated actors like Facebook and Twitter to open themselves up to that. They've got Section 230. That's a federal law. That's a broad grant of immunity against them. They generally have First Amendment doctrine on their side. What a foolish step to open those communications and to work in tangent with an administration. Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's foolish on your end looking in, but it's smart as hell on their end looking out. Yeah. Well, <laughs> how? Because they're, because they have the, they have everything in their pocket. The other side is able to go, you know, James, James O'Keefe, uh, doctor's videos. Everybody parrots it. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, they'll be like, Jay, I've heard of James O'Keefe. Hey, doesn't he doctor videos? And when you go, no. And they're like, that's, that's not what I heard. That's misinformation. Dam damage is done. Damage is done. So uh, one other thing I wanted to, we, we did touch on, I want to kind of go back to it and I don't know exactly, you know, I may be able to just paraphrase and, and you can confirm or deny or just tell me to shut up. Um, we were, we were saying that. Please this, tell them to shut up. This is when Jim looks at me like, God damn. When the <laughs> FBI did their bullshit to James and his people and they cast that big net, um, I, I think that, you know, uh, he could change his emails, his phone numbers, uh, everything. All your guys can change all your communications and it still doesn't matter. I think you're still under their thumb. Uh, 
I think that this phone call are, is already being recorded and has its own slot <laughs> in its own in its own header uh, before it's even finished. If you follow Edward Snowden at all, but that's going down the rabbit hole. What I want to know is this would be my take. Okay, I would look at you know for your other suit that you have going on with uh, this New York Times and the attorney-client privileged information. I would you know I I would love to be able to sit in the courtroom and look at the judge or the jury and say the FBI raided my client. On Tuesday and then on Wednesday, they want to they want to talk to me about, you know, some information they received and then give them that like Debbie Downer look like, huh? <laughs> really? Come on, guys. You think you well, know. he had until five, didn't he? He had until <laughs> five o'clock to respond. <laughs> oh, no. The thing was, was they they, they sent you what, an email at one o'clock and told you you had five. I know they sent him an email at two Oh seven told him they had until five to respond right. and then posted the story at three. Exactly. <laughs> Am I, is my time right? My, my timeline right, right there. It's yeah. It's somewhere in there. And and this all relates to, you know, the, the ongoing defamation suit by uh, Veritas against the New York times for claiming that it was engaged in some active disinformation campaign and what they what they did in the midst of litigation was, you know, I, I write, like I mentioned before, on the more complicated sort of issues uh, that where it's a lot of gray space or, or the like. I write up memos. We take this our ethical and legal obligations very seriously. So I work with the team and we figure out how do you comply with the law in, in a really complicated and tricky spheres. So somehow somebody leaked several of my confidential privileged attorney client memos to the New York times and they put them, blast them on, on the website. And uh, we eventually got an injunction for them to be taken down because we're in the midst of litigation against the New York times. And it relates to our operations and it relates to our defenses and causes mm-hmm. of actions and yada, yada, yada. yada. I, I was tickled to see that they interviewed a, a uh, professor of journalism and law at the, at Columbia who, who said, well, Mr. Barr's advice seems seems to be um, very well considered and, and, and spot on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because one side <laughs> looks at it. Kudos. One side looks at it and goes, "This is him telling him how to skirt the law and be just on the side of legal." <laughs> and then the other people will be like, "You mean he was telling him how to keep it legal?" Like, wait a minute. Right, and right, you're right, right about right. the Columbia guy. I thought he was talking yeah, about your, so, your one buddy with the curly hair. What's the Q-tip? Oh, what's his name? God, I hate that guy. God, what's his name? Here's an example. Here's know. an example of that. So, so when Holder was Attorney General, Garrett's house. Oh, Obama. Obama. Obama's of, wingman. That's what we call him. Yes, Obama's wingman. You got it. Right. We Veritas ran a, a series as it frequently does, checking about ballot integrity. So they went into his polling place, and they asked the question, "Do you have?" Eric Holder's ballot. Now, notice the person didn't say, I'm Eric Holder. Do you have my ballot? No, made no representation because the, the scripting that I developed with them, you know, is all about you don't make a representation that you are um, a person because that's that's actual voter fraud. But you can ask hypothetical questions like, do you have the ballot of Eric Holder? And when Eric Holder then testified later in, in the Senate and they asked him about it, he, he said, well, I think that was a very clever way to phrase the question to make sure you didn't violate federal law. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And in, he's an attorney, in, so in he every, knows. In every instance, you know, Veritas is 
bending over backwards and doing extensive research and being very careful ethically and legally about about what it does because it's a it's a, a really tricky area of the law like dan said man they're doing god's work for real i mean if you're not following veritas um they're doing what every american should be doing they're doing real journalism right there you, you think know. about the core of the first amendment right and why why we put this country together and you think about Hamilton and Madison coming together and writing anonymously to the people of the United States. Why? Because they wanted a better nation. They wanted to hold those who were corrupt in power accountable. That's the core of, of the First Amendment. And to prevent government abuse from the free flow of information, information about what those who hold power over you are doing improperly and incorrectly, that has to be the front and center of this nation's moral commitment in its focus. And I'm proud to be able to do work with Veritas to uphold that and, and win. I read a lot about what's going on with Project Veritas versus uh, New York Times on law.justia.com. Law.justia. Have you have yeah. you uh, been to that site and read everything that they have up on there about it? I doubt that I've spent a moment on there. All right. Write it down it. and look because it's giving me oh, it's <laughs> sure giving me everything. Right, right now he's got a pen. He's like, well, it's giving me it. everything <laughs> all the way. I mean, it's it's pages and pages of what's going on, and it doesn't seem like it's lean. it's just giving you facts, 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 facts. There's no bullshit in there. It's not like someone's trying to set a narrative. It's it's really oh, really good. good. It helped me get a lot of information for this conversation, which has been awesome. And we haven't even got to touch on election, election integrity yet. <laughs> you know what? This would have been the one to do the election integrity too. Cause we're coming up on the election. Um, sure. You know, I don't know. I, once you hear this back, if you don't hate us, maybe you come back and we can talk, uh, yeah, do a 15, we'll do 20 a, minute we'll segment yeah. Yeah, on election, uh, election integrity, because that's, it's mm-hmm. going to be a big thing coming up, man. And then my only question, we have already figured out that you are not related to William Barr and, and you've said that, but yeah. I just need to know, is your partner related to Calvin, Calvin Klein? No, Does anybody no, have no, any no. famous connection here? <laughs> I mean, when I saw, when I, I saw Barr and Klein, I'm like, got, so. gotta be Calvin Klein's cousin. Right. Not, <laughs> not at all. No, no, sir. Doesn't no, even sir. know. Just two. We're two guys from the Midwest. I grew up in Wisconsin. Steve, my law partner, grew up in Michigan. And uh, we have a similar commitment to protecting the First Amendment at our, at our core. And, you know, we're just tickled. We get to work with a lot of besides Veritas, a lot of other organizations that are either investigating government or doing some kind of undercover work. And it's it's fun to be at the middle of it. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, I don't know. I've always said I've, I've, I've missed my calling. I wish I was in there. You know, I wish I was in a courtroom fighting, yeah. fighting for the first, the second yeah. amendment. Uh, I, I don't know. But, but talking and get, to get, making this available to average John, Dick and Harry out, out there and, and publicizing ideas is important as a skill. I don't know ability in. I don't Man. know if that's true. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> hey, Very well spoken. And you know what? We're going to have to have you. Actually, we'll come to you one day. When we come out there to visit. Um, Tom? Uh, when we come out there to visit Freedom Square again, we'll have you out there and we'll go live in their studio. We'll bring the bourbon and it'll oh, be. that'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be a hell of a show. So. I'd do that. All right. Yeah. Okay, you're in. Uh, <laughs> what are you doing next Wednesday at. Um, <laughs> so all right ben man listen this went longer than we thought we appreciate you taking the time i know you're a busy guy um especially on a sunday this Uh, is really fun yeah i i appreciate you taking time away and uh and being here for this and like i said we'll uh after this thing uh drops and you love it and 
you don't block our number, then maybe we can uh, yeah. we, we can set something else up. No, listen, listen, yeah, but you got it. You got it. <laughs> Dan's going to give you the, the warning. Put here. Jim in your phone, right? Under maybe I shouldn't, <laughs> uh, because sometimes we go live on Facebook, right? And if he's got and, and if we're late into a Facebook session and we got some questions about some constitutionality issues, uh, he may dial you up. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. ten thirty, and I don't feel you, like you have to answer, yeah. but we're telling you you have to. Answer. But if he calls you. At 10 10 30 just know we, we we put a few back we're feeling good the crowd is is, is ruckus on on the feed and and we got a question and we won't keep you long uh, <laughs> we won't keep you long and we always delete them afterwards yeah we so always we're not delete keep the lives. It up. yeah so you got to be there to see them or else All they right. didn't happen brother i appreciate you man i really do of course um, yeah thank you for no. doing what you do and was good and yeah i'd be happy to chat again whether on the phone here or whether down at the studios however you want to do it yeah. oh it's down at the studio oh, it's down the, if we how we want to do it is going to be down at the studios so yeah yeah that'd be okay. fantastic all right brother we will see all you right. later man take thanks, care of guys. yourself all right all right thanks Appreciate man it. have yep. a good evening yeah you, you too. too bye-bye yeah, bye. <laughs> all right man it was cool dude he's a good dude man. yeah you know what too this guy is high power right he's a high power attorney i mean he could be dropping five dollar words on us all day but he's just a regular dude man like you understand everything he's telling you, you know, we only had to look at one word and that was actually from you, not him. Yeah. But of course they had to put it in uh in, in those kind of stupid ass freaking subpoenas for contempt, contempt of Congress of the person they didn't charge. Well, <laughs> That's what it comes down to. That's well, I told you back in the leadership episode, when we we're talking about Rick Thomas, right? The old chief, mm-hmm. he would always, when he put a memo out, there would always be at least one $5 word in there that you We're, had to look up. Yep. Everybody was like, what the fuck? What does that mean? Yeah, every time. He's mm-hmm. he's good for a good $5 word. Mm-hmm. So, Are we going to ever have him on? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't mind having him on. <laughs> That'd be actually pretty cool. As long as he, we're going to have to sign a... We're going to sign an agreement where he's not going to talk about shit I did. Ah, stuff he wrote. He has your whole entire file of all the, all the shit he wrote he you He shows up with the thing. He's like... <laughs> just drops the file on the desk. Oh. And he's like, this is just all the times Jim's was late. Uh, oh. <laughs> and then I got the other one here of all his write-ups. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. But that's cool. Hey, it, it, that, that, that's Look, all well. Man, I, this was a good episode. You know, the First Amendment's huge. Um, you got guys out there like Ben that are on the front lines that are protecting people like Project Veritas that are also on the front lines. They're getting information out to you that you would never know. And the government's trying to stifle those guys. Yeah. They don't want yeah. that information. It's out. important that you go on to Project Veritas YouTube channel and subscribe and get the notification bell just so it can help his algorithm. You can comment in there. I mean, and you can just comment in there and just say, hey, check out, you know, Pop Bless America. You'll find some Project Veritas stuff on there too in the comments. And and even though, you know, it may not reach people, it's still helping the algorithm. And that's something that people are going to have to do to help us coming in this next year. And we'll just beat them over the head with it then algorithm jim <laughs> oh beat him over the head with the algorithm well just to let him know like hey we got you know you got to uh you well, gotta help it out and you know i mean we'd love for you to send us money but if if you got a spare couple bucks laying around man veritas could use it for sure and tom fitton can um, use it yeah because uh, he's spending money on lawyers and doing foyas and i mean a lot of stuff that has came out to light has been because he gets document dumps and he pays people to go through them and they go, Oh, look what these dumbasses sent. Now we know why this happened from when we asked about it, you know, two years ago. When Jeff, the conspiracy theorist was on talking about when it. Jeff, everybody's when like, this guy's Jeff crazy. Yeah. And then Tom Fitton proved him right. Yeah. Well, Jeff's nuts until, yeah. But yeah. Those two, those two need to collab and get together and, and do what they're both doing because I, it's the same thing. I feel like, um, 
everybody on the right, we've talked about it before. You got your guys you're listening to. I got my guys we listen to, and we don't we don't cross pollinate that. I listen to a little bit of Will Cow, um, but it's just not my thing, like a, like a Timcast or or. Like well, you know, it's funny as you say that, but now the more you talk about Timcast, I've listened to a little bit of Timcast. I don't. You know, after today, after we talk about him, I might listen to him tomorrow. Yeah. But he's just not in my lineup. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And even my wife, when she hears me listening to it, she's like, his, his voice is annoying. And I'm like, ah, okay, I guess I'm used to it, you know? But it's, I like the way he delivers it. I like the way he kind of reports the news and doesn't have to beat you over the head with all the bullshit like a, like a Hannity would do, right? I mean, who? dirty dossier <laughs> Clinton button paid for. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Steven Crowder. Check him out. At least he puts a little bit of funny jokes on his. Uh, I tried to keep the jokes at a minimum today, but Calvin Klein. That wasn't that funny. I mean, it wasn't funny, but it's. It was the worst. It was it? Damn it. All right. I'm going. <laughs> I'm going home. <laughs> you got it, bud. Good job today. As always, we thank you guys for your support. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, if you could drop us a like, drop us a five-star review, that really helps us out. You can find us on Facebook at Pod Bless America. And you can find us on Twitter at Jim and Dan Show. You can find us on Getter at Pod Bless America. And you can find me at Jim at PBAPodcast.com. And you can find me at Dan at PBAPodcast.com. So until next time, I'm Jim. I'm Dan. And Pod Bless America. Line. I told you I wanted my attorney and you still wouldn't, still had to just talk, didn't I? Oh, you ruined it. <laughs> that was the worst. Wait, that was, that was what you're going to do at the end? God damn it. You, you're horrible.